the Holy Spirit's letter to the church at Corinth, chapter 15, beginning in verse 50. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ, our Father. We just sang and then we read wonderful truth about your, the ultimate outcome of the redeeming work of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. We ask that today you would shepherd each of us into your presence as, as you open your word to us, as we join together in worship of you. Show us yourself in a clearer, deeper way, perhaps than ever before, that we may walk in greater and greater and greater loyalty to you and the reality of who you are and with full dependence upon you and all of your reality and your, your grace to us. We thank you that you are the God who graces us with the capacity to walk with you in this environment. We ask that you would, today we would be your disciples at your feet, being instructed to you and being shepherded into an authentic worship of you. We ask this of you, Good Shepherd Jesus. Amen. Turn, if you will, to Colossians chapter 3. Paul's letter to the church in Colossae, chapter 3. I'm going to read verses 1 through 17. I'm not sure we're going to make it all the way through this because uh, there's a lot here and we don't want to shortchange uh, what. God has for us by packing it into too short a time period. So I'm going to read, but I'm going to read chapter 3, verses 1 through 17. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth, for you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. 
When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Therefore, put to death the members, your members, which are on the earth. Fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. But now you yourselves are to put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another, since you have put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man, who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. But above all these things, put on love which is the bond of perfection. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord, And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. I don't know any passage of Scripture that more beautifully captures the environment that we're walking in, both outside and the environment we carry with us in our own fallen nature. God has conquered both. We need to walk in that conquering power, that conquering reality. We need to walk in it. And ladies and gentlemen, that is not a one-time decision. That's not a one-time thing. It is a daily, hourly, moment-by-moment surrendering, 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 surrendering of your own plans your own mode of operation in favor of his plan, what he declares to be true, what he declares to be glory, allowing him (coughs) to embrace you with all of his delivering power. And he delivers you from the power of death and hell and sin and degradation and sorrow into the realm, his realm. of unrestrained, humble, thankful worship and glory. 
that is the reality you have a right to walk in as his people. He is with you. He is with me. Every step we take, wherever we are, he is present. And that is the discipline of the Christian life. To allow yourself to be embraced and to embrace back that reality. And it is a daily, hourly, moment-by-moment discipline. In chapter 2, what has Paul been doing? Don't, you Colossians, now the Colossian congregation, it was in a a heavily Greek uh, culture region. They were the great attraction, especially amongst well, amongst the Greeks, it was to the those wonderful Greek philosophers and all the and all of the pride that went around that was part of their culture, and it was we can't imagine how powerful this was. There were people, lots of people, that made a living just touring the Mediterranean world, reciting the works of Socrates, Plato, Aristotle, and all those other guys reciting those works. Stop it, stop it, stop it, says the Holy Spirit through Paul's pen. That is a path to destruction. Not that everything those people said was wrong, but if it's not in the context that God places it in, that He is the context, it's going to lead you to your destruction. It's not going to help you. At the same time, because they are a Christian group, and many of them may have come from a Jewish background, and it was this it, in this time of Paul, it was very, very common for Christian congregations to be a joining together of people from a Gentile background and a Jewish background into one assembly. And so the people, the people with the Jewish background, they're going to have been influenced by that Pharisaical approach. Hey, it is what I, the foods I do and don't eat, all of those religious rituals and customs about what you do and don't eat, what clothes you wear, all, all that stuff, none of that got the job done. It's very interesting when you read the New Testament. Paul says this in Romans. He says it really several times. In Galatians, the law, there's nothing wrong with the law of Moses. Not one thing wrong with it. But it is a diagnostic tool. It is not doesn't cure anything. It just tells you what is wrong with you. So, <coughs> so that you will run to God for mercy. And say, Lord, I've tried to do the law thing. I've tried and tried and tried and tried and tried. And the harder I try, the behinder I get. And God says, good, I'm glad you got the point. Now, let me tell you about mercy. Let me tell you about grace. Let me tell you who, my, who the Redeemer is. Let me tell you what that redemption looks like so that I may walk you into my presence, into my welcoming presence, and you can walk with me. Is there anything wrong with that diagnostic, diagnostic tool of the law? No, there's nothing wrong with it. But it doesn't fix things. I am. Personal relationship with the redeeming God is the fix. And I'm not only the Redeemer, I am all these other things that will enable you to walk through this hostile environment unto victory. So don't be drawn by 
Greek philosophy. Don't be drawn by Jewish religiosity. Find the definition of who you are in Christ. If you then were raised with Christ. What? I never got put in a tomb. I never got put in a grave. What do you mean raised with? When Jesus paid sin's penalty for the human race on the cross. He said, it is finished. That's his It is paid in full. I just paid off the sin debt of the human race. Father, into your hands I dismiss my spirit. They placed his carcass in the tomb, and then he came out of that tomb, resurrection body, incorruptible body, and we, and he, what does he say in Matthew 28? All authority, all power in heaven and on earth has been handed, gifted to me by God the Father. I've just stepped, been placed in charge of the entire heavenly estate. All authority, all power in heaven and on earth has been given to me. That's what it means in John 3.16 when it says of Jesus, he is the only begotten son. That expression means full heir of the estate. And he stepped into the full inheritance upon the event of his resurrection and ascension. And we get to walk in that. And we, so as as beneficiaries of what he did, we are, in a sense, raised up with him. If, you, if then you were raised with Christ, you were a beneficiary of his resurrection reality, seek those things which are above. Why are you messing around with the world's promises when those are never going to get you anywhere? They're always going to fail. There is an end to the world. There is no end to God's kingdom. And there is no glory comparisons. The glory of this world is, frankly, a joke. It's comedy material in heaven. Okay, you're going to have to forgive me. I do believe that there is a class of angels in heaven who are jesters, (laughs) who do comedy material before God's throne. And they got plenty to work with. They got plenty to work with. Lucifer is their number one topic, and God is constantly laughing at Lucifer, that angel of great pride. (laughs) Forgive me. If then you were raised with Christ, and you were, if you abandon your trust in your own goodness, your own works, your own righteousness in favor of God's mercy granted to you through Christ's work on the cross, then you were raised with Christ, and so seek the things which are above. where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. He is the day-to-day administrator. And all of the ancient empires and kingdoms, you had the king sitting on his throne, and right beside him at the right hand was the guy who actually ran things, (laughs) who ran the estate, who ran the kingdom on a daily basis, who was the chief administrator. Jesus is the chief administrator. Where Christ is, seating, sitting at the right hand of God, set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. The world system is constantly throwing advertising at you, trying to make a sales pitch, why you should join with us, join with us, join with us. And it always leads to failure. There's always disappointment. There's always disappointment. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. Invest in the proper thing. 
For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. You have died to the things of this world. You can wash your hands of them. And allow yourself to be embraced by the God of mercy, power, the kingdom God, who is bringing in an everlasting kingdom of immeasurable glory. That's your inheritance. Why mess with this other nonsense? Don't. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth, for you died. You died to those things, and that's a good thing. There was no value there anyways. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Do you think that in the kingdom come, it might uh, appeal to you to be seated right beside Jesus? I think so. I think that you will. Okay, I can handle this. I can do this. Yeah, okay, okay. That's the reality of what does redemption mean? Redemption, yes, it is the forgiveness of sins. He wipes out the debt, but he replaces our debt with kingdom wealth. Kingdom riches, we don't even have a way of measuring that. The things that the world tells us are really the things we need to be chasing after and giving ourselves to earning the day is coming, we're going to look back and say, really? That actually held an appeal for me at one time? How could I have been that foolish? Don't invest your time, your life, your effort there. Invest it in the kingdom to come. When Christ, who is our life, He is our life. He is the provider of all of these kingdom promised blessings then you also will appear with him in glory. It's going to happen, and when it happens, it will have happened forever. Therefore, do the smart thing. Put to death your members which are on the earth. Stop following the world's description of where blessing comes from. And every single one of these things has an appeal has an appeal. Well, this one's not hard. Fornication. (laughs) Look at all the pornography avalanche that's taking place in our culture and around the world. (coughs) God gifted the human race with this blessing in a marriage context. Well, Satan wants to take it out where it's an illegitimate context. Don't give yourself over to the illegitimate exercise of what God gave to you to be a legitimate joy. Fornication, uncleanness, anything that would defile you because of the uncleanness of this world, the immorality of this world. Passion, giving yourself over to being passionate and following what's going to end up blowing up in your face. Fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, desiring things that you know at the front end. They might appeal to your ego, but you know it's wicked. You know what? The, the guys in charge of the mafia, do they enjoy the position they're in? Sure they do. Do they know it's wicked and evil? Yes, they sure do. Yes, they sure do. Don't give yourself over to what you know is wicked. 
evil desire, covetousness, wanting what other people have. What's the 10th commandment? You shall not covet your neighbor's life, wife, stuff, reputation. You shall not covet those things, which is idolatry. Wanting what somebody else has that God hasn't gifted you with, let go and let God. Let go of it. And I've forgotten who it was. I think it was, yeah, I take that back. Jonathan Goforth. (laughs) Jonathan Goforth was a missionary to China. The most perfect missionary name ever. That was his actual name, Jonathan Goforth. He said, I've learned to hold the things of this world loosely. Because I find that when I grip them tight, God, because of his great love for me, because of his great love for me, is forced to pry away my fingers. And that hurts. So just do the... Hold the things of this world loosely. Don't be covetous, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience. Every single person who sins. You know what? Sinners know. They know they're sinners. They know they're against the Creator God. God the Holy Spirit could not be more clear. What does Paul say in Romans chapter 1? The human race knows there is a creator God, and they know that when they are violating his moral standards, they know it. They pretend, you know, when somebody says, oh, I'm an atheist, I don't believe there's a God. Stop it, you're lying. You know there's a God. You're pretending there is no God because you're pretending to yourself that you're never going to answer, have to answer for your choices. You will, and you know it, and you know it. Let me tell you about the Savior. Let me tell you about the Savior. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. And this was you before God yanked you out of the fallen, sinful culture of the Greek world, the religious Jewish world. Oh, yeah, those are the people that nailed Jesus to the cross, had him nailed to the cross. Those are the ones who said, let his blood be on us and on our children. The Jewish religious leaders. Do you want to stand shoulder to shoulder with those guys? I don't think so. But now, you're yourselves are to put off anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. What's the difference between anger and wrath? Well, the word translated to anger really means hatred. Put off hatred. I have actually counseled people that literally that were so governed by hatred for another person and when I've counseled them, well, you na- need to forgive that person. Said us, oh, I can't do that. Oh, I can't do that. No, because why? Because then I'd have to deal with my own self, as lo- my own fallen problems. 
my own sinful. As long as I can carry that hatred for what they did to me, victimizing me, I don't have to pay attention to my stuff. I can keep my my emotional focus on them. And the number one thing you have to do to be set free from your own sin is number one, forgive those who have actually harmed you. Hatred is holds you captive. You think it gives you a righteous standing to hammer other people. No. You are the one who is the chief beneficiary when a forgiveness process happens is the forgiver. The forgiver. Set aside hatred. That word translated wrath really means outbursts of anger. Your explosion, your emotional explosions, malice, your malicious deeds done to other people or your attitude of not forgiving. Malice, blasphemy, saying things against God. We've all heard people, well, it's so common in our culture, God this, God that, God that. Folks, that's blasphemy. The unrestrained holy God is the only being in the universe who has an authentic right to retaliate because he is unrestrained in his holiness. And if you speak against him, he has the right to come back. Now, mentioned this in the Sunday school class earlier in Matthew's gospel. It's a very interesting statement that Jesus makes to the disciples. He says, You can blaspheme the name of God the Father and you can be forgiven. You can blaspheme the name of God the Son and be forgiven. But if you blaspheme the Holy Spirit, you've gone too far. You will not be. Why? Because God the Father and God the Son are very jealous, very jealous, and I mean that in a good sense, they're guardians of the reputation of God the Holy Spirit. He is of the triunity. He is the servant of servant person in the triunity. And they are, you mess, you mess with God the Holy Spirit and you are done. Blasphemy. Be very, very, very careful what you say about God. Even if it's just some in passing thing that's just part of the language of our culture. Uh-uh. You know when that word is coming out of your mouth. You know you're offending God. Blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth, and just the, the level of vile language in the Greek-Roman world was probably worse than us, which is saying a lot. Filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another. Don't be deceivers. Do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man with his deeds. Our God is the God of truth and he expects us to be people of truth. You think, well, this is going to make my life in the next day or two more convenient if I just kind of let this person walk in some idea that isn't really true. No. Walk in truth. It may be inconvenient at the front end, but you won't have the penalty You won't be stepping into difficulty later. You'll be cleaning the path. Do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man with his deeds. We have a God of truth. 
I, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He who has seen me has seen the Father. I'm going to say something that's really huge. Every one of Jesus' disciples should be able to say, He who has seen me has seen in moral character, has seen what God is like. I know that's a gigantic statement, folks. I know it is. That is actually God's standard for us, and that is exactly what he is saying here. Do not lie to one another, since you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man, who is renewed in knowledge. Your mind has been made clear. You are now seeing things as they really are from God's vantage point renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. You have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. What did Jesus say to the apostles? Which shocked them. He who has seen me has seen the Father. I think based on what Paul is saying here, that is God's standard for us. This is God's standard for us. That we would be men and women of such godly integrity that people would be able to say, okay, that's not Mark. That's not Steve. That's not Julie. That's God. (laughs) I just saw a God event through this person. You have put on the new man who is renewed according to the image of him who created him. You actually are image bearers of God. I know this is huge, folks. I know it's huge. But is the God, the Holy Spirit, who dwells within us, who is, has gifted, been gifted to us and dwelling within us, is he capable of creating this outcome as outrageous as it is yes he is what does he ask of us humility bow at his feet sit at his feet allow yourself to be renewed according to the image of him who created him who is and having put on the new man is renewed in knowledge according to the image of created him you should actually resemble your god That's a big statement. You should honestly resemble your God. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew. Wait a minute. That didn't look like the Greek culture. That didn't look like the Jewish religiosity. That didn't, uh, neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised or uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, which is one of the cultures around them. They're in Scythia. Barbarian. Scythian, no, none of those, slave or free, none of those descriptions, and every time you say one of those words, an image jumps into your mind, a picture of what those kind of people are like. No, we should be image bearers of God. Neither slave nor free, even if you were owned by somebody else, the full reality of who you are is you are a son 
of God. You are a child of God. That's the real reality of your person. Christ is all and in all. Christ is all and in all. There was a fellow, and this is the letter to Philemon. There was a fellow, I don't think I have the name wrong, Onesimus was a slave of Philemon. And Onesimus and Philemon actually had a church congregation that met in his home. He had a, he was, he had a pretty nice mansion there, and uh, the church met in his home, and there was this slave, this fellow that he owned by the name of Onesimus, who was kind of around the outside. He's probably helping, sir, he may be helping to serve the love feast. And he's, and he's been listening, and he's, Paul was there on a few occasions, and he heard the incident, and he never made any outward commitment to Christ at all, and then he ran away. And he made his way to Rome. And he found out that Paul was under house arrest there in Rome. And he made his way way to the place where Paul is jailed, so to speak. Knocks on the door. Saul of Tarsus, Paul, may I talk with you? I witnessed some of your presentations there in the home of Philemon. I would like to talk with you about this. And he was welcomed in by Paul, who explained the gospel more deeply and clearly. And that fellow Onesimus stepped into the kingdom, and then he stayed there, and Paul discipled him and discipled him. And then he says, now Philemon, I don't want to presume upon your generosity and just say, hey, I got Onesimus here with me. Thank you very much. No, I'm sending him back. Would you please forgive him? Would you please set him free from the legal bondage he owes you so that he might return to me? Will you do that? Onesimus had been redefined. Christ is all in an unfair course the word is Philemon readily <laughs> sent Onesimus back to serve Paul he forgave Onesimus the slave who had fled him he had every legal right to hammer this guy and he he set that aside forgave Onesimus and then restored him to Paul as a disciple of Paul and servant of Paul there in Rome but that's what God has done for us we are slaves who have been set free. We have been redefined by God. Walk in your redefinition. Christ is all and in all. He is the definition and he dwells in you to energize this whole process to your glory and praise. To his glory and praise, and let me reduce that to his glory and praise, but to your deliverance. You can be joined to him and with him in the glory. We will do the second half of this passage next time. How's that? Our Lord, uh, I think we've got plenty to chew on. I'm asking for myself. 
as well as everybody else in this place, that you will stop us dead in our tracks to do what is stated here by the Holy Spirit pushing this message through Paul's pen. That we might become people who will stop and look and allow ourselves to be embraced by the truth, the reality of all that you have done for us, Redeemer God, and walk in it. And we ask for those people who are not present with us for whom we prayed earlier, that likewise they would experience every single bit of the deliverance that belongs to you and that you readily supply to us, whether it is a moral issue spiritual issue, physical issue, we ask for that deliverance again. All to your glory and praise. And all God's people said, Amen.